Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Amelia Posanza is the author of Lesbian Love Story, a memoir in archives. A full-time book publicist and part-time writer, Amelia currently lives in Brooklyn with her cat. Her work has appeared in the Washington Post, BuzzFeed, Electric Literature, The Millions, and NPR's Invisibilia. Her first book, Lesbian Love Story, came out from Catapult. Welcome, Amelia. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Lesbian Love Story, a memoir in archives. 
Thank you for having me. Well, this is so fun because I first knew you as a book publicist trying to spread the word about other books. And then I saw you had a book coming out. I'm like, that is so exciting. And of course, like, and then I read your book and you're obviously a phenomenal writer and took us through this whole process of digging deep and learning about lesbians through history and developing like real attachments to a lot of them and sprinkling in little bits and pieces about yourself along the way. So anyway, this is just so fun. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I like to think that now I've become a publicist for lesbians. (laughs) We need someone, we need someone to spread the word. Yeah. You've just hired yourself. They can't even fire you. (laughs) They're stuck with you. Okay. Well, why don't you explain a little bit about your book for listeners? Yeah. Well, I love the way that you described it. I'm like, "Hmm, I'm going to have to write that down and use that myself. (laughs) Um, But sort of it started out as the story of me trying to find the lesbian role models that I had never really learned about growing up. Because I see I'm such a big reader. I see reading as such a way to like understand the experiences that I hope to have or I'm going to have before they actually happen in my life. Like, oh, what's it going to be like to go to college? Or, oh, what's it going to be like to, you know, I think people feel the same way about like having a baby, getting married. I totally feel the same way. And I just didn't have that. So I ended up finding seven couples, some of them kind of, I fudged it, non-traditional couples, friends, or people united in a political struggle. And I wrote a chapter about each of them. And each one represents a different era in lesbian history from the 20th, from the turn of the century up until now with sort of me representing the now. Um, And I used a lot of their original words. You know, I think originally I wanted to tell their stories in my own voice. And then I realized that, you know, they left us these words about like being queer in really difficult times. And they sort of used different words than I would use to describe their gender identity or their sexuality. So I realized that like, I just wanted to use their own words so other people could meet them and maybe develop the attachment that I did or a similar attachment. (laughs) You even have a moment where you convince your friend to take you to the grave site of one of the women you've been studying. And it was so moving and how she had different names on her gravestone. And oh my gosh, like you take us through it in such visual detail that it makes us feel, okay, I won't speak for everybody, makes me as the reader <laughs> feel like I am there with you. Like as you go into the library, as you, and then I did this and then I, you know, like, so we're like, okay, where, where are we going to go next? Where is she going to take us? Mm-hmm. And the grave site for me was like, oh my gosh, just like you here now, her there, I I don't know, like this sort of confluence of past and present and, you know, passing the torch and I don't know. It was so vivid and moving. Well, I think I just sort of want to pass the torch to readers in that way. You know, I think part of the reason that I included, you know, the diaries and the letters and the oral histories of these lesbians is because I want other people to go out and sort of find history, not necessarily of lesbians, but whatever their passion is, because it's sort of like, all around us, like the fact that the gravesite you mentioned, Mabel Hampton's grave, is here in New York City, like a 40-minute drive away from where I lived. And, you know, it's totally unmarked. It's not like a national historic landmark or a celebrated place. And the fact that I can just go and visit is kind of wild to me. Um, so I really do want other people to go, I don't know, sort of find more things, more role models for kind of whatever type of human that we want to be. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And I kind of was like sifting through because I really wanted to know more about you and loved the little bits where you had your own story come through. And then of course, like towards the end, you're like, and by the way, I don't know, maybe I'm not a lesbian. (laughs) 
I was like, are you kidding me? I just like learned about all these people. No, I'm kidding. But uh, maybe talk a little bit about what that was like. And even like that photo that you saw, that was so funny when you were supposed to identify who was beautiful. Oh, my you picked the one who like, and everybody was like, wait, she likes the one wearing like Doc Martens and, you know, cargo pants or something. And you're like, was I not supposed to think she was the most beautiful yeah. <laughs> as a kid? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's funny what you say about like, you know, oh, by the way, I'm not a lesbian, which is kind of a joke. But also I think I started out this project being like, what is a lesbian? I think it's a word that a lot of people giggle when they say it. It's a funny sounding word. A lot of comedy shows that I've been to, it can be a little bit of like a, like a punchline on its own, you know, like, have you seen Bend It Like Beckham? The soccer yes, movie? of course. Yes. When, when the mom is like, get your lesbian feet out of my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> What's the joke there? Like just that she's saying the word lesbian. So I was very interested in that particular word and sort of like going from Sappho who gave us that word and not a lot is known about her up through kind of, you know, the turn of the century when there were other words that people were using to sort of it becoming a very politicized thing in the 70s. And also a very exclusive thing, like Sappho, original lesbian, had a husband. And then in the 70s, we have people saying, you can only be a lesbian if you like never talk to men, you know, it's not even about having sexual relationships with them, you just can't even speak to them. And obviously, some people really rejected that. So I think it's funny to me that it has shifted throughout the decades to include more people, to exclude the very people that maybe gave us that word. And so I think by the end, I felt like, you know, oh, what does it mean to me? I wanted to find it on my own terms. And I felt like what was special or drew me to all the people, all the lesbians that I chose for my book is they all kind of lived their lives outside of the mainstream. They risked a lot to live their lives authentically. You know, one of them was sent to Bellevue Hospital in Manhattan for potential shock treatments. And, you know, that didn't stop her from living her life the way she wanted. And I think to me, by the end, that was the definition of lesbian that I chose for myself. The sort of, you know, people who have the courage to just go out there and reject kind of the mainstream narratives for women or, you know, other trans and queer people, yeah, who are just really inspiring to me for the normalcy that they reject. Amazing. It's sort of crazy how much digging you actually had to do. Well, that's why I want other people to go out there and do it too. I'm like, I can't do it all, but I want more of these stories. You know, I shared it with a bookseller and she wrote to me that her partner had been transcribing like a great, great grandmother's diary about the great-great-grandmother's romance with another woman in like the 20s and 30s. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like your partner needs to keep doing that. Like we shouldn't have to dig for these kind of non-traditional stories. You know, they should they should be around to inspire everyone. What kind of world would we have if, you know, the heroes that we presented with weren't like military heroes and mm-hmm. statesmen, but, you know, people who are daring in really other ways, like my cat, who is there <laughs> in her interruption of this interview. Well, you also, you know, talk about the fact that the traditional, like sort of stereotypical lesbian is not how you were presenting. You know, you were like, yeah. that you were, you were literally in a like queer swimming group and someone's like, well, you're not a lesbian, right? And you're like, I am literally in a queer swimming group. <laughs> Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. When I was writing the book, I thought a lot about belonging. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's such a human thing to not want to feel alone, to be part of a community. 
But I think that like with swimming and this queer swim team in particular, you know, I was like, oh, I want to belong. I just moved to New York. Here's a group that I could join. And I think it's funny that even within communities like the queer community, there are then, you know, gradients. And I found out that this team, which I had accidentally joined (laughs) in this wonderful way, you know, that it was really a lot of cis white gay men. And that's what being gay meant to them. They weren't thinking about like the L and the B and the T and the LGBT acronym. And I think it also, you know, going back to those lesbians in the 70s who were very exclusionary, some of them, you know, for them, part of belonging was excluding other people. And I, you know, that push pull was something that I, that kept coming up in my research that, you know, as people who, were marginalized or didn't want to participate in mainstream society kind of found each other, they could belong to this little subgroup. But sometimes those subgroups existed by, you know, pushing other people out. And so, yeah, I I don't think it's unique to the queer experience to want to belong to a community and find that, but still be as expansive as possible and not be, you know, leaving people out for these really persnickety reasons. Totally. No, that's, I mean, everybody wants to belong to something, right? That's yeah. like a human condition. You want to connect, you want to, all of that. Totally. Even if you aren't a lesbian, I would imagine. Even if you aren't a lesbian, yeah. I would imagine that you would want to belong in some way. Yeah. I would not want to necessarily belong to a queer swim group, but that's okay. You know, yeah. That's because, but that's because I don't really want to be swimming in New York City. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you should try it. I don't know. I feel like all the pools are so cold. Aren't the pools like freezing? I don't know. I've tried. I I do actually love to swim, but I don't know. Every time I've tried to swim in New York, I'm like, this is freezing, and now I'm outside, and my hair's wet, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I know people who swim this time of year. Mm-hmm. You know, who are like the ocean yep. is below 50 degrees, and they jump in, and they say it has all these you know, health benefits and healing properties, but I'm too much of a wimp. It's not for me. Oh yeah. No, I'm a complete wimp. Like 90 degree pool. All right. <laughs> Maybe not that Sauna, hot. hot yeah. tub. Yeah, exactly. Let me just wait. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You had a funny moment where you told your college roommate that you were a lesbian and she was all, she was irritated at you. And she was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to have to shave my legs either. (laughs) And you were like fuming. You're like, that is not, you're like, I shave my legs. Like, that's not what it is. How do you deal with like crazy comments that you get like that even now? Or do you get comments like that now? Yeah, that is such a funny question. Well, like, I feel like the book kind of started from a place of anger, like what you mentioned of someone sort of seeing me and being like, you're on this queer swim team, but you're not a lesbian. Like, what do you mean? I think it's funny that it ended up being, you know, having love in the title when it started from this place of anger. But I think now with comments like that, I I do have a little bit more grace for people who say things like that, especially way more grace than I did when I was, you know, a college student trying to come out and <laughs> it was met with kind of, I don't know, it's this total misunderstanding. But I think now I see when people say things like that, like a lot of us don't want to have to conform to these rules like shaving your legs. And I think for women and, you know, a lot of people like my gay male friends talk about this too. There's all these beauty standards that, you know, we don't want to live up to and it's hard to toss out. And I think now if some, you know, if that same roommate came back and said that to me, I would like to think that I'd have a more gracious answer of like, you know, come on in, stop shaving your legs. Like you don't have to be a lesbian to do that. I do think that all, yeah, all of these lesbians that I studied just had a wonderful way of rejecting mainstream norms. And I think if someone made a comment like that to me today, I would just be like, yes, like you don't have to be a lesbian, but come on in. Let's all sort of live lives on our own terms. Amazing. Well, I feel like next time I have a research topic I need covered, I'm going to you. (laughs) (laughs) Your research prowess is is pretty awesome. My mom is a librarian. I am totally not surprised to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) So I cannot take full credit on my own. (laughs) It's in your blood. You can't help it. Tell me about like how you got here and becoming a book publicist and then deciding to write a book and how did you get into the literary world to begin with and all of that. I think I'm going to say again, my mom's a librarian. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I feel very lucky. Like when I was little, my house was just like covered and covered in books. And my mom actually had this card catalog. Do you know what that is? Of course I know what that is. Okay. Well, I'm going to explain in case, you know, listeners don't know what it is, but it's, you know, before you could go on like the New York public library's online research catalog and just type in like, oh, I want to read like a little life, right? Do they have any copies? They were little drawers and you would pull them out and they had index cards with the call numbers. And there was one like in our dining room growing up, right? No and way. you just pull out the little drawers. And I think that that made me such an eager reader and want to tell other people about books because a huge part of my mom's role as a librarian was recommending books to people like oh you are I mean it was for young people so oh you're interested in sea turtles here are some suggestions about what to read about sea turtles and I think that that same I don't know sort of spark easily led to being a book publicist right talking to journalists and reviewers like oh you liked you know, such and such book two years ago, I have another one for you, or I have the same author coming, you know, with, I work a lot with Angie Cruz. And it's always really fun to be able to say like, oh, we have another book from Angie Cruz and kind of go out to all of her supporters. And I, I stand by what I said in the 
in some ways, writing this book feels like being a publicist for these forgotten lesbians, you know, like the first chapter about Mary Casal is me just reading her memoir and trying to hopefully retell it in a way that's a little more exciting than her memoir. No, no offense, Mary, but then, no, yeah. it wasn't the most beautifully written book I've ever, I've ever encountered. I spent the last two nights at Aspen Words events for Angie Cruz. Oh, yeah. Were you there? Were you, no, you- I was out of town. I just got back. Um, oh, well, she did great. She was amazing. On two nights ago, she did a reading from How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water, and with, she just was so dramatic. She like oh, her, like yeah. actress persona, you know. Oh my gosh, she was amazing, and she spoke beautifully last night at the Aspen Word ceremony. I was sorry she didn't win the <laughs> literary prize, but um, but you know, she wrote. She just she's really impressive, and I had had her on my podcast, but after the last two nights. I feel like I know her much better. So maybe yeah. I did a bad job. I don't know. But <laughs> I should probably go back and listen to that one. But anyway, so I'm a fan. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so fun to be like, here are books that you might enjoy, you know? Yes. Whether they're books that I'm working on for my job or they're books that I've read and then I'm sort of writing about and being a to- totally nerding out about. What books are you working on for your job? We've got a debut novel coming out in the fall called Where There Was Fire by John Manuel Arias about multiple generations of women in Costa Rica who are affected by a banana plantation that kind of, you know, like an American banana plantation that comes in and employs a lot of the men to work there and is, you know, up to a lot of nefarious and bad things. But there, there are ghosts and old letters and mystery. It kind of opens with um, the night that one of the characters' father disappears the banana plantation burns down. And so you're kind of unspooling a mystery, but also with these like strong women characters throughout. Amazing. And now that you've written a book, do you have, like, do you want to do, do you want to write more books? Do you, like, how did you feel about the whole process? And how is that now informing your work as a publicist being on the other side? Well, it's funny because I actually think I enjoyed writing a book more than I am currently enjoying having written a book. I think mm-hmm. the having written a book part is very similar to my job, but the writing a book is very different. So it does feel like the only thing to do now, if that was the part I enjoyed, is to to go do it again. And I'm thinking that maybe if I wrote all of this stuff about queer history, I kind of want to write a novel about like what would a weird queer future look mm-hmm. like. Oh, that'd be cool. So fiction, but probably still inspired by lots of other source material, because I think that's just the way that I work, getting excited about other source material and wanting to tell people about it. Amazing. I interviewed um, Judy Battalion about her book, um, In the Light of Days, and she had been inspired to do that because she was digging deep in the library and found like a journal written in Yiddish by someone in not a concentration camp in a um, in a ghetto who'd like helped with an uprising and found these secret historical documents that showed how women actually had been so much part of this wow, movement. I'm amazing. not explaining that very well, but it's it's like a similar thing. So she had it translated and just couldn't believe it. And then she went on this deep dive. I feel like the two of you should like go together and I you could do like a TV show, like, you know, deep dive or something where like you take three people in like different like put them in the library and they're like, find everything you can about this. Go. 
Well, did you ever watch that show on PBS, History Detectives? No, but look, good. Someone already did it. <laughs> it was on for like 12 seasons and I watched it growing up. And I think in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I don't need a real career. I can like grow up and be a history detective. And it was like a professor, like a auction appraiser and someone else who like just would go in and someone would be like, oh, I have this pocket watch. And I think it belonged to Mark Twain. Like the family lore is that it belonged to Mark Twain. Can you go out there and figure out if it belonged to Mark Twain? And it's a lot of footage of like people reading stuff in libraries and using those microfilm machines yep, yep. and trying to decipher handwriting. So yeah, I think I mistakenly was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. I'm oh, going to You hear. can reboot the show. It's perfect. <laughs> and I think selfishly, I would want it to be like queer history detectives. <laughs> Fine. If that's all right with you. I'll take it. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So what advice do you have to aspiring authors for aspiring authors? So much of my advice is centered on the, like the promotion process. That's fine. I'm sure people would love that kind of advice from from a big house publicist. Maybe I'll do one of each. I think my non promotional process piece of advice is like, find the thing that you cannot stop thinking about Mm -hmm. because I've definitely had friends who are writers sort of pitch me like high concept ideas that sound really cool. And I'm like, Oh, knowing you deeply as a friend, you know, could you really write about like, you know, high society models (laughs) and talk about it for the next five years? Like, I, I don't think that you could do that. So maybe that's actually a piece of advice that bridges writing and promotion. You need to find the idea that's gonna like haunt you and stay with you or even someone like Angie Cruz that who we were just talking about you know people are going to ask her about how not to drown but also Dominicana or like I think of Harry Styles and how at his concerts he still sings what makes you beautiful sort of that like original One Direction song that made them so famous and I'm like if you're gonna have a hit you need to like be able to bring new energy to it for decades to come Mm. you can't be like oh I'm so embarrassed about what makes you beautiful. And I never want to hear it again. Interesting. <laughs> That's similar to, did you read Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld yet? No, not yet. So one of the stars of the book, I say stars because he's a music star who has like a really big pop song, but then is kind of embarrassed by it. And he's like, no, but really I'm kind of more like poetic. And this is the kind of stuff I really like to do, but he's known, yeah. but he's known for like this big pop song, you know? <laughs> so anyway, funny. And was that your promotional advice too? Or do you have a, did you have a second piece? I, th- I think that was also my promotional advice, right? If you're going to write something or if you're going to have to promote it, like you've got to be able to talk about it for years and years to come. Like going to be the thing you think about when you wake up in the middle of the night, when you get up in the morning, when, you know, if you eventually have an agent and an editor, like it's just going to be the thing that everyone wants to talk to you about. So you better find it the most fascinating thing in the world. And I also like to imagine that when I read, I can tell, Mm -hmm. you know, like if the person, the author writing is excited about it. Like one of my favorite books is Moby Dick and everyone, which I managed to sneak a reference to (laughs) in introduction to lesbian love story in spite of the fact it's a, it's a story written by a man predominantly featuring only men out at sea without any women. But I feel like I love that book just because like Melville seems like he's having so much fun. Like even at the moments when I'm like, dude, you've gone so far into whale history. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, but you're still having fun. So I'm having fun. There you go. Yep. Melville, the most fun guy around. 
that's that's what we all think all the time (laughs) all right well amelia thank you so much for coming on this is really great congratulations on your book and start working on the reboot of that show i actually think you can sell it i think it would be really fun thank you the queer history detective yes i'm gonna gonna start my pitch here go for it thank you so much for having me it was really fun to sort of get to know you in this other other role you too yes i'm not just on email it's You've got this beautiful library. Thank you. Yes, I do. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.